What do you want? I want to help you. Please help this disgusting degenerate. Admit you need it. I need it. With conviction. I saw a note about Rachel's job and I was wondering if it's still available. What are you going to do? Fuck someone again? You'd like to, wouldn't you? Well, Eric, how would you like it? Do you conclude that? All you need to know about me is that I intend to save you. And all you need to do is be there. Stay with your giant boy. Trust me. I'll free you. Who are you? You're not a reverend. Who are you? I'm you. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on, and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise, and at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon, Do it. we decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribe subscribers also get an on-air shout out and two bonus episodes every single month which we've been doing for like 10 or 11 months now yeah there's a lot of episodes back there i actually did the math we're coming up on 100 movies talked about on the oh, show that's awesome so we're, we're we're getting pretty far here that's cool um and speaking of which we do have two patrons to thank this week and that would be drosh drilling 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 <laughs> Drilling would be a cool one. Yeah. Let me know about that. It. Let me know if that's the name. You are officially now that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and we have dubbed you. Daniel Dillon. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us on this sleazy journey and getting all those bonus episodes. Uh, two weeks ago would have been the last time everyone would have... Oh, shit. I'm Josh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, hi. I'm Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, we, we do this always show. Forget to anyway, do that. <laughs> we always forget to... Uh, anyway, hi. Uh, two weeks ago would have been the last time everyone would have heard from us. We would have had uh, horror author and film critic Mike Thorne on. And he brought with him two 50s horror films. Uh, the Tingler, 1959, by William Castle. A lot of fun. And, um, and then Corridors of Blood, uh, I already forget the filmmaker, but 1958, yeah. uh, and starring Boris Karloff, both these sort of fifties riffs on a sort of classical thirties and forties style horror that yeah. took it to some freaky places in regards to, uh, mad doctors getting high on their own supply. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that episode was a lot of fun. So you haven't heard that. That was for free two weeks ago, uh, for everyone on, uh, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, all, all the stuff, Stitcher, <laughs> everywhere, YouTube, whatever. Yeah. Um, but last week would have been the last time patrons would have heard from us. Uh, and that would have had us seeing, uh, saw us go back to the Outback yeah. for the third back time so Australia. far on the show. I don't know how this happened, but we, <laughs> we, we have a couple Australian listeners and patrons, I yeah. think that really push this stuff. We're but doing we it went, for you guys. We went back to Australia and we, we took a look at Wake in Fright 1971 by Ted Kotcheff. Um, Extremely good. Lots of kangaroo murder. Yeah, yeah, that part wasn't as entertaining, <laughs> but <laughs> the rest of it, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we paired it with 1976 Mad Dog Morgan. Yep. Uh, Watch a man grow a fantastic beard yeah. as the time goes. Compares it to Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, a li- little biopicky, but still still some good exploitation fun in there. A little Definitely, bit, yeah. Uh, seeing an Australian Western like that. Yeah, uh, it was pretty, very cool. pretty, pretty brutal. Also starring an Irishman. 
lot of yeah, <laughs> just a lot, a lot of, of accents. Irish and Australian yeah, a lot accents of weirdness combined. In that movie. And then some, you know, there's one dude who gets his head like cleanly blown off <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the opening. Uh, so that was uh, one week ago for uh, patrons over there. Again, that's sleezoids.com slash sleezoids.com, patreon.com slash sleezoids <laughs> Sorry, I just got off of work. Everyone yeah, leave me we're alone. We're exhausted. <laughs> uh, that being said, we're going to be moving on right now. We have a, another special guest on for you guys. Uh, we have a writer and editor for all kinds of horror-based websites, including some you, a lot of you guys I'm sure have heard of. Uh, Dread Central, F This Movie, places <laughs> as such. Uh, and also the co-host of the uh, Screencast, which is a horror movie podcast and a couple of other... Anyway, she's into all kinds of horror and exploitation yeah. is what I'm saying. Perfect for this show. And <laughs> she's perfect. That is Stephanie Crawford. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks is, for having me. Is there anything we missed? What else do you do that's really cool? <laughs> I do nothing cool. Uh, Damn. <laughs> got a cat. Sorry to call you out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I live, in, well, I live in Las Vegas. That's a little sleepy. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely cool. Well, Stephanie, what films have you brought with you uh, this week, and why did you pair them together? Okay, this week we are covering Crimes of Passion from Ken Russell. And the other one is known as Olivia. It's also known as Prozzi. It's also known as Double Jeopardy. And I think it's also known as Sins of Desire. Yeah, the poster says Mad Night <laughs> on it too. We, we love this shit. We love it. Every time Any there's a movie AKA, with like yeah. four titles, it's the best thing. Yeah, the more titles, the better. Because I just like to choose then. I'll be like, that's the favorite one, so that's what it's called now. The only surprising thing is that the director is from Germany and not Italy with all those names. That mm. surprises me. Yeah. Well, I find, don't they usually do that when it's someone, a foreign, like a foreign film? A lot, a, lot, a lot of the Italians, they'll yeah. have two different names for the film, and then they'll send it over to America, and they'll have two different American names for the <laughs> yeah, film. It's great. It's, it's a great time. It's becoming my favorite part of the show, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but why, I'm glad I picked one then. Yeah. <laughs> so why these two specifically together? What's the double feature? Well... The main theme that makes it a great double feature is it's about blonde wigs with bangs. Perfect. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's that was the, the thing I noticed the most. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it happens to be on Ladies of the Evening Hookers, if you will. Uh, I guess that's a big part of both of them as well. Definitely. But they are very strong wig movies. <laughs> Absolutely, to both of those things. Uh, and we were glad that you brought another Ken Russell on, because we actually uh, o have only done one Ken Russell so far, and that was The Devils, yeah. and it was our favorite discovery Ooh. that we've made on the show. It's crazy. Uh, for us, because we both watched it for the first time for the show, and we yeah. were completely blown away. So we were very excited when we had a chance to do another Ken Russell. Yeah, because we know this guy's <laughs> so a bad was, man. That was full stop your first Ken Russell? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> This went full That's for great, it. because this is very different from the devil. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a little taste. But speaking of which, I guess we'll just jump right into Ken Russell's. We're going to be doing Crimes of Passion. Yeah, let's do it. They are outlaws. But their crimes are crimes of passion. 
the star of Body Heat and Romancing the Stone, Kathleen Turner. Anthony Perkins creating an unforgettable role of menacing power. And introducing John Laughlin. Never before have two adults consented to so much. Crimes of Passion, the most talked about movie of the year. All right, we are talking Crimes of Passion, the 1984. Is it Passions of Crime? Or is it crime no, of crime, Crimes of Passion. Oh, man. What are you talking about, right now? Wh- I don't even know dude, why. You got a spoonerism I, right off dude, the top? That's what I'm saying. That's, we're starting to show off strong, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that research. I don't Jamie even know is what just I, uh, I don't even know why I put that in my notes right now. Everyone. Anyway. I had like multiple titles, but wow. Yeah, yeah, see that maybe it was just confusing. That's people, what we'll people, go with. People are pretty passionate. That's about what we'll crime. go with. I got confused with multiple titles. All right, let's continue, everybody. Well, it is a 1984 erotic <laughs> uh, thriller directed by Ken Russell and starring Kathleen Turner and the legendary uh, Anthony Perkins and also John John Lawlin or John McLawlin. I assume that's right. Uh, <laughs> We're, we're bad with names, too. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. fine. We're moving on already. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that segue. Uh, but it stars Kathleen Turner as uh, a lady named Joanna Crane, who, uh, as the premise goes, lives a double life. During the day, she is a uh, high-end fashion designer, but at night, she is a uh, high-class prostitute named China Blue. Yes. Um, as she is accused for uh, corporate espionage, Bobby Grady. What a name. Bobby <laughs> Grady. It's a very childlike name. Uh, you just know he's a square with that name. Exactly. Uh, and he, Bobby Grady is hired to uh, shadow her. Um, however, uh, unfortunately, they end up kind of digging each other and having yeah. a bit of an affair. Uh, meanwhile, in the background, there's Anthony Perkins, who is a completely psychotic Unhinged, priest yeah like <laughs> this performance was who incredible to, to watch kathleen yeah uh, or, or or joanna or china blue multiple names yeah it seems almost too like at the beginning of his character he kind of has an arc where now i didn't trust him obviously but i thought there there might be some hope in his character and he wasn't going to go down the path that he does eventually because uh, there's some real darkness to this guy that oh, yeah. he kind of almost tries to make it uh tries to sell it as goodness, like he wants to save her and things like that, you know? Well, I would say this is the one element, he's the one element of this film that I recognized from the devil's Ken Russell. Sure, yeah. Because his is very much a, he can't reconcile his own bodily desires with his faith. And that's like a big thing, obviously, in the devils of this like very sort of uh, violently repressed sexuality. And he has something sort of sort of similar where he's constantly I mean, I love the scene where they where she, you know, after he's been stalking her for a while and she's kind of been teasing him and playing games with him. And and she does it as a uh, she gets a kick out of it. it Well, yeah, it's seemingly she doesn't need the money because she makes a lot of money. So she does it for uh, you know more more personal reasons which we'll get into as we get into the actual film mm-hmm. itself but the scene where she pulls out all of the stuff out of his bag and she's just like he, he's talking about how much he wants to save her and how much you know he he just wants to help everyone and yeah. then he's got like a a dildo knife well yeah <laughs> i guess that's right <laughs> but that's but, right 
I, I According was blown, to my notes. I was blown away by the boob pacifier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. And he's so unashamed about all of it, too. Yeah. He's like, yeah, of course, you know. <laughs> what, Never know what the night will bring. What, man what modern God. man doesn't carry a licorice whip in his bag, yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> I love that she just takes a bite out of casual. That's very trusting. That's a trust he did not earn. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Stephanie, maybe you want to walk us through maybe the, the, the early scenes here. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're set up with China blue and she is kind of an amazing film portrayal of a prostitute. She's very confident and she looks amazing. She almost looks like a cartoon character with the blue eyeshadow and the blue dress. She looks absolutely perfect, but incredibly strong. Mm. And she has a sense of fun with it as well. She ha- it, it seems like she probably has a closet full of like 500 costumes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think the stewardess was my favorite. <laughs> well, I mean, she, she starts this one as, as, as Miss Liberty, right? That's that, the yeah, opening one. Her yes. introduction was fantastic. What a way has to introduce the character yeah. with like a beautiful acceptance speech, Miss Liberty, because of course they can't use Miss America. And then the camera slowly pans down and you see a guy between her legs just <laughs> worshipfully looking up at her. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this perfectly symmetrical shot with her legs just completely in the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and she's just, she, she's, she's milking the fantasy element of it, which is a big thing for her is that yeah. uh, she's, she's, as she says it, she is creating a truth for everyone. So I'm very interested in what that guy wanted because clearly she's putting <laughs> yeah. on the show for him. And I'm like, that the dude's just very patriotic yeah, or that's what I was confused about that too. <laughs> so I was just yeah. kind of like, wait, this is a, this is a prostitute, right? So this guy paid to hear a Liberty <laughs> speech. All right. I mean, I assume he would watch like the Miss America pageants and be like, Whoa, those are the most beautiful women <laughs> in the world. That sounds exactly right. Actually. I'm going with that. Yeah. I believe that. <laughs> But uh, interestingly, this is the first moment where we get a bit of that Ken Russell uh, psychological element mm-hmm. where uh, during this sex, there is uh, these sort of very sharp cuts to paintings and drawings of very exaggerated sexual portrayals. Yes. <laughs> the biggest penis I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now because i'm terrible and i didn't do my research i didn't look up who actually made that art and what it means i'm sure they actually thought about the art that they were choosing oh yeah i, I mean my brain just kind of went you know blowjobs happening right now we can't show that so here's kind of like but, a, but she's uh, also got those those drawings on her wall and stuff too oh, right in okay. her home okay so it's like yeah, in her apartment. it's definitely something to, good to do with her as a character where she, it's almost like she has like a distance from the sex is what I read it as. Sure. Which is that she sees it as something that is done, something that is visualized and put on the wall, even in the act that she's performing in it. And like, again, the filmmaking here is very, very colorful and sweaty mm-hmm. in a way where yeah. like, you're very much noticing. Blues and reds. And yeah, then. like, well, you're just very much noticing like skin and these people rubbing up against each other and stuff. Like, there's no way yeah. to separate the fact that this is a very close, intimate interaction. Mm-hmm. And immediately her head goes to, these aren't even people. These are just drawings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. 
yeah, later in the film, when she starts building a relationship with Bobby, who is the guy who sent to spy on her, but then they kind of fall for each other. Um, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Um, oh, we do that all the time. It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jump around. Well, he, he finds out her, I guess, day job, what her real name is. And he arrives at her apartment, which is a pretty, it, as someone who really values her privacy, uh, I really felt for her <laughs> <laughs> during that. But when he came in, she has like right in the opening of her home, erotic art. And he just kind of looked around. I was like, Hey, nice place. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'm never horny here. <laughs> and I thought that was such a great line. And that perfectly sums up what you were saying. Uh, it, it is like her tool of detachment. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's definitely what it what it read like to me because she she isn't her her whole thing is that this isn't an act of in, intimacy for her it is right. for the other people involved which is kind of what gets what gets tricky yeah um and that's eventually what happens when uh Bobby and her start kind of getting together and Bobby actually he doesn't want his own selfish fantasy uh, he kind yeah, of he, wants the other person to be yeah, happy in a way. Yeah, he wanted to please way. China Blue, right? Right. Yeah. So then she gets the two worlds kind of mixed up in this really um, tangible way that really messes with her head. Now, is this the the first sex scene that they have that's kind of, uh, there's almost like a mix of raunchiness. It's like the silhouette. Am right. I wrong well, yeah, it's that very slow, jazzy, classic right. Hollywood lovemaking. Yeah. And then immediately switch. And then it immediately yeah. switches over to like some prog rock uh, for yeah. like this full blown colored silhouette what sex I liked in all this, these positions. Yeah. What I liked about this was that it kind of had that mix between because I think it was, you know, it was, it was the first time that she actually maybe felt something intimate, but there was still half of her that was, you know, struggling with that. So I felt like there was the, still those reds and blues that would come from kind of the, the street life or whatever. But then later on when they do it again, it's like a completely clear lighting. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if she's like fully accepted the inti- intimacy on both ends. And yeah, I thought well, that, that was great. And it's a really awesome yeah. lighting choice too because the neon light it literally infects her her room that she chooses right, for right. everyone, right? Exactly. There's, a, there's a lot of like the room is completely dark and then it's lit up with like blue or pink or purple. Coming from the, or the nightlife. Com- coming from the nightlife yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's very primary color lit in a way that actually having just uh, done Suspiria, yeah, I, yeah. I, I gotta <laughs> say honestly, it kind of did remind me a little of Argento definitely uh, and just how colorful it was mm-hmm. uh, but I guess we should get a little bit into into Bobby's side of this because there actually is a lot of Bobby in this movie yeah I mean we even open with uh, with Bobby right and the uh, he's kind of in a support group for it seems like repressed sexual people I don't really know what the support group was to be honest like it seemed a little I th- confusing I think it was maybe yeah, a sex addicts his- thing yeah, it's like, uh, I'm just here with my friend. My marriage is great. Right, right, right. I'm just right. sitting here judging all of you. I'm Bobby. <laughs> what an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> and and his whole side of this is the complete opposite to Joanna's, where she is seemingly completely free and detached. He feels sort of locked in and closed in yeah, into... Just uh, in an unhappy marriage. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he's just... There's a dissatisfaction both on his part and on and his wife's his part. His wife's, yeah. They, again, Played they, by Annie Potts, by the way. Oh. She looks familiar. What, what else yeah, has she Yeah, what she from? Ghostbusters. I know. Oh, okay, my God. that's it. I was like, who is this? Now okay. it clicks. Yep. Now it clicks. 100%, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't want to have a whole lot of sex, and that's no. seemingly what he really, really cares about. But at the same time, 
Yeah. There, there, there's also it, an American, a sort of like a an American domestic lifestyle that they both kind of dreamed of. And, and it's just not it's just happening. not providing yeah. them either one of them what they kind of hoped it would. And there's a bit right. where she's talking about how like, oh, my God, we have to pay for braces. I can't get a hot tub. And he's just like, are you serious? Like, it's just a hot tub. And then she goes, I don't even really like. And then he, he ends up trying to take a night job so that he can pay for both. Right. And then she's like, I honestly, it wasn't the hot tub. Like, I don't care about the hot tub. Like, there's there's something that she can't even put her own finger on that's wrong. Yeah. Um, and then they yeah, just sit they, there and watch TV, kind of unhappy together. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very emotionless. Yeah. It's actually kind of complicated. Um, it is because well, and it, especially at first, you kind of think it's she's just like, being an annoying wife, is what it well, kind of looked like. It the movie was aiming towards, but then it did get to something more complicated. What I yeah, what I liked is that it they're had both a, they're had, both they trying. both have reasons, right? Yeah. And it wasn't just like one person's an asshole, one person's whatever. It was like they both had reasons for why this was just not working. And another thing I liked is that when they discuss the reason, which is essentially he feels like they don't have a lot of sex, and when they do, that she doesn't enjoy it. Could, he she essentially be, tells she, him that, that she doesn't, she doesn't and yeah. then he feels upset that he thought this whole time he was pleasuring her, and and he's this whole time it's been not awesome at all. So there's like very kind of a incompatible sex life. Yeah, from exactly. These two. And then uh, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like he to him and he mentions it a few times, uh sex to him, he's not just like a horny dude. Right. Uh he connects it to emotions quite a bit. And that's why he I think he falls for Joanna. Part of the reason why he falls for her so quickly and so hard. And to his wife Amy, she fully bought into the suburban thing. Like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna marry my high school sweetheart and we're gonna immediately have kids and move right into the suburbs and have the same friends we had in high school. And, you know, we'll be happy because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And to her, sex is a wifely duty. Mm-hmm. So she pretty much says that she's never had an orgasm with him, <laughs> but you know, she doesn't need that with him. <laughs> yeah. Which it yeah. sounds no, though by fine. the end that she probably does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And later on, he says to her this great line, like we were taught everything and we didn't learn shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, they're friends. Um, they have this really uncomfortable barbecue where they're, they're, they're <laughs> yes. friends. <laughs> um, but they're still gossiping about high school things and being super judgmental. And there's just this underlying tension of everybody being kind of miserable yeah. But on the surface, it's really sunny. And then he does, <laughs> he sits them all down and he does the most ridiculous thing. It's the human penis, which I guess Ken <laughs> Russell said was something he actually did in college. <laughs> Ken, man. Of course he did. <laughs> That's great. But, so it, it's, it's just a stupid thing where he ties balls to represent balls to his feet and <laughs> simulates ejaculation. But the reason he's doing it is because his wife hates it and yeah. he knows she hates it. And it's like doing the most ridiculous, dumbest, like jackass the TV show type of thing out of pure anger to his wife. And that's one one of the things I love about Ken Russell, because it's never one thing. Mm-hmm. There's always like something kind of clawing at you, even when it's a dude dressed up like a giant dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is just was, a great image. Yeah, I was just going to say, he's like, he could have made his point in another way, but no, he's going to have a dude dress up as a penis and shoot milk out of his mouth, yeah. as you do. Yeah. If you're a genius director. <laughs> There's so, uh, a lot of ways to portray hell. 
so while daily life well for, said. for those two is a lot of, uh, you know, just general dissatisfaction and a lot of uh, sexual and financial frustration yeah. uh, on, on both sides there, um, Joanna is designed in some killer clothes. Uh, and at the same time, putting on all kinds of um, her her daily routine seems to be putting on all kinds of different fantasies. It doesn't really matter who she just she she really likes almost making people happy in the same way that yeah. Bobby likes to make people happy, just in the reverse side of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, the thing every time we're in her room, it looks like a stage on yes. purpose. It, it's completely it's a play. Um, and even when you're looking through um, a peephole at it, it's it's almost like a giant diorama. It's a really cool effect. And that's what it is. It's like it's almost like the Johns are her audience. And she's like, OK, welcome to the stage. We're going to put on a show. <laughs> and, and it's a, you're a you. part of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a participation play. Exactly. Yay. Well, the, the most terrifying one for me is the one which she plays a uh, sexual assault victim who oh. runs into her own room and they had it pre-planned, but the film doesn't, the, doesn't let you let in you know. on it at right. all. Yeah, that was really... So she she sees a yeah. guy creeping on her. She books it into an alley. She books it into her place and it's completely dark and then it's getting lit up by the neon, the blue, red, and purple lights into her bedroom. And then mm. she gets completely attacked from... Uh, from from behind, and then we are r- revealed that it is actually a rape role play that she already the guy's a paying customer, he's a regular, yeah, and they, and they, they had it all worked out, and it makes so you confused. feel really gross, <laughs> yeah, watching the whole thing, and then her reaction to it, which is like very chill, yeah, and oh, it, super positive, she's yeah, all, well, she's all like, smiles oh, no, all the no, time, no. yeah, and uh, oh, it's consensual, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fine then. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's fine then. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Whatever does it for you. Yeah, and then she she tells him a, a bit of a story, or maybe she forgets telling him a bit of a story about how she actually likes it because her her father molested her or something like that. And she's like, oh, did I tell you that? Yeah, totally. That happened. She's like, is that true? He's like, oh, yeah, of course it's true. You want it to be true? Like, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, she's not afraid to go to really any... Uh, any degree like she'll she'll pretty much do anything to satisfy the she's a the performer fantasy. she's exactly. a performer and yeah. she's a professional she, yeah and she's <laughs> and she she's willing to go there uh, i love the bit where she's just like yeah don't you see the scars from when i was attacked and he's like oh yeah yeah i do see the scars and he's looking down and she's just rolling her eyes like yeah. like like come on she has great eye rolling moments yes. throughout this movie <laughs> Yeah, she's fantastic. Kathleen Turner. Maybe maybe we should talk about her briefly. She's incredible in this film. What else is she in? Is there other things that she's more known for? Is this like her big uh, romancing the stone serial mom? Roger Um, Roger Rabbit. uh, Yeah, Jessica Rabbit's voice. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) She has. I don't know. Maybe nature's most amazing voice. (laughs) Uh, Wasn't was she the mom in uh, Virgin Suicides? I'm trying to remember now. Sofia Coppola. I think she was. Can't remember now. It's been it, so long since I've she, seen it. She looks a little different now, anyway. <laughs> or for sure in this. Don't film, we anyway. all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because again, the wigs, the lipstick, uh, all the costumes, yeah. just phenomenal. Oh, and Peggy Sue got married. Have you guys seen that one? I That's one of my Peggy favorite Sue movies. Got, maybe. No. No. What's that one about? Oh well, that's an that's a nut a nutso plot. It's uh, Francis Ford Coppola. 
Um, she's married to Nicolas Cage in it. Uh, they go I'm to their sold. high school. <laughs> yeah, they go to their high school reunion. She gets whacked in the head and she goes right back to high school. Um, and she has to like live it out. And she's getting divorced from Nick Cage. And so she's like back in time when they're falling in love. And she's like, maybe I should just nip this in the bud before we're miserable. And then... <laughs> And then there's like a Shriners uh, Mason Club that might send her back to the future. And then she's trying to invent nylons uh, with shit. Kevin J. O'Connor. Well, I just, I just it's, it's on my watch list now. Yeah, that's going I literally right on the watch tweet list. at people like distribution <laughs> companies. I'm like, hey, you guys think of Peggy Sue got married? Getting that out there, maybe? <laughs> Is so, it one of, so it's one them. of those hard to find films. <laughs> No, like, I think if you have, like, the Netflix rental thing. Um, I don't know that we have, have that in Canada. Or, oh, okay. It's on DVD. Okay. It's out there. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, she is incredible. Like, she's absolutely just such a charismatic person throughout this entire thing. And, and I mean, she's a complicated character that I think would be hard to sell at a certain point. And, and she well, does it. They did have a hard time selling. This oh, movie oh, did they? Sounds <laughs> yeah. I got to uh, remember we're, oh, yeah. the, we're the trashy sleazoids here, you know? Yeah. We just love this shit. Yeah. Normal well, people well, don't. Roger Ebert did not. Oh, <laughs> did he give the one out of four? Oh. <laughs> did he give the one? Is that what he yeah. did? Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> well, well, I think it was a one and a half and he had a few nice things about it, but he kind of like, now we have this fancy Blu-ray that has an unrated cut and a director's cut, but he's like, they had to make this an R-rated film and you can tell basically where all the cuts are and that made the film worse. So he mentioned that he's like, you know, this film did not get a fair shake. I hate okay. it, but it didn't get a fair shake. <laughs> I might hate it less if I saw the other version, <laughs> yeah. but I also might just be disgusted by it. Well, Roger Ebert also liked Speed 2. So, I mean, there you did go. Did he? Yeah, Damn. he like three out of four did. I think Damn. it's one of the most like infamous things. Good old, good old Roger. <laughs> um, but I guess so. The, while sort of because uh, the plot that connects Bobby and Joanna is is. I mean, there's not much of it there. It's really just he gets he takes a night job and that night job is being uh, an investigator yeah. for uh, one of his buddies' company. Um, I, I just love what a, um, a Brian De Palma job that is. Like, you <laughs> exactly. should be by a night electronics by day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. What? My first client is a beautiful prostitute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does it even say that this guy has background in this kind of field? No. Or is he just like, I'm going to start Maybe he's like, you were great at hide, it, hide and seek when we were kids, man. I, I think you got this. You got this, man. You got that camera at home, bro? You got, you home, got bro? a notepad, right? <laughs> That's all we need. Yeah, you know how you use technology, surveillance. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, man, you just, you, 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 you pull up to the strip, you roll your window down, and you pull that camera out, <laughs> yeah. and you just see what happens. And what he sees... Uh, uh, when he first pulls up and he first sees her and he's completely obviously taken by her because mm-hmm. I mean, her, her look is very performative as, yeah. as is. And, and he watched the transition happen by creeping her at her place and then following her to, uh, so he, he, he com- saw the transition of the two lifestyles yeah, right yeah. in front of his eyes. Um, and then he's immediately introduced also to Anthony Perkins, who I, I forget the actual character's name. What's his What's his name? Does, is he uh, father? Father something stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. No, I don't think I wrote it down. I got it here. I He's Reverend Peter Shane. Oh, okay, that's his name. 
Um, and basically, he's just stalking the shit out of uh, uh, Joanna. Um, and we get some really evocative uh, early scenes with him where he's doing that thing where they kind of like they you pay to like watch and there's a girl kind of like dancing in the middle and there's all these yeah. guys who look like, like they're almost Madonna behind. Like that Madonna video. Yes. Like, where the kid is in it for some reason. That's another discussion. But yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, Madonna would be a whole episode for sure. <laughs> And the, and it's all these guys looking through what looks like these sort of like almost prison peepholes, mm-hmm. uh, where a couple of them are clearly jacking off. Yeah, uh, but the and reverend—it's it's like the dirtiest looking place too. Like there's oh, no—it yeah. it looks like it's, no it's like, janitor it's, goes in between it's like sessions. Rusty, you know? and it's covered in sweat. <laughs> yeah, and cum yeah. and like all it's kinds nasty. of things. Uh, and 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 we get a, a brief look uh, into kind of the reverend's headspace where it, it gets cut very, very quickly while he's watching this, you know, young girl dance around for his own entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then he has visions of her being killed. Yeah. Uh, Which really just deflates your hope of this guy actually trying to save anyone. No, you know? because, like, because Oh, that's what you mean by saving. Okay. Yeah. Well, because, <laughs> yeah. because again, he does, he, he's a guy who he believes this is a sinful place. All these people are committing sin and they need to be punished right. and that he's the godly man. He will punish them. But that's all intertwined with his own sexual desires, mm-hmm. which he can't contain because he's also a paying customer watching these people and he's definitely feeling something. Yeah. He's getting turned on. Something's happening there. But at the same time, he realizes that, or at least in his faith, getting turned on uh, d- deserves a violent comeuppance. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you, and you're thinking that, uh, that Russell, or I guess the writer, uh, Russell and the writer, uh, they're they're kind of saying that because of his priesthood, that's maybe where the violence comes from. Because the repression almost causes his, his yes. sexuality to become violent rather than a normal, you know. Well, because healthy dose because of, that ties into the whole he has to save these people from their sins, from right. these sexual and, things and to that save they're doing. Them, it's like to take so they can't sin anymore. That yes. kind of thing, take from them. Okay. okay, but do you think he fully bought into that himself? Because Ken Russell, he is great at Catholic guilt and portraying that in very <laughs> but sweaty, scary Catholic guilt, which Anthony Perkins completely personifies here. Oh, yeah. But what um, he was originally going to be like an obsessed film fan, like yes. it was going to be like movie posters everywhere. Oh. But then he saw like um, evangelists and like preachers on TV and he's British. So he was seeing this on American TV and it was like, what the? hell is going on here and i i i think i don't know i feel like it became commingled like there is obviously that suppression mm-hmm. but the same token he's super performative and he can snap in and out and he even has lines where he's kind um, of all over the china place blue, for sure yeah china blue will call him out and she's like you know we're both acting we're both pretending at least i'm more honest you know i'm not going around judging people and he's like well yeah you're right but and you're like wait a second yeah and i mean we even see a lot of that at the end when he's kind of just going back and forth between like the sporadic murder kind of thing and then he's saying you know at one point he's like begging her to take him out and then he changes his mind again and he's like, you know, too late or last rights or whatever he says before he busts yeah, out the door and all late, that. But last rights would have actually been really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was one of the best moments when he just goes last rights and then 
Kate's opened the door. I lost my mind. Oh, there's so many great if lines. Oh, yeah, especially oh, from him. Working on the remake, tap this guy, man. He's got it. <laughs> yes. Last right. I love Last the one prostitute who comes up to Bobby while he's in his car and is like, how about a shot of the Grand Canyon? And then <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And what was, what was that line? What was that other line that you wrote down that we were talking about before the show? Oh, it's I so never forget funny. a face, especially if I've sat on it. What a great yeah. line. The best line. <laughs> line in the movie i think it's so good and that's two anthony perkins and he reacts like mm, that's right so you never know where this guy is yeah it's true he's totally unhinged in this film yeah it's he, he's definitely operating in like this weird dreamy sleazy porn reality that definitely yeah. could exist because i mean i could i could see him being like a hardcore porn fan or something like oh, that absolutely. he was just trying oh. I mean, I'm sorry, much that is. reminded me of maybe my favorite China Blue line, and it was to him. Nice. Oh, yeah. Kill thyself, pimp shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was like John Waters stuff right there. That made me so happy. That is good. That's That was, I guess, one of the my favorite parts of this movie was the dialogue. had It rode this line between, like, some of it was, like, like cheesy and, and kind of porno yeah. or whatever. But because they had good writers behind it and actually coming up with you know some more creative things rather than just the same old innuendos yeah it it came off genuinely funny and had some charm and it was it was awesome it was like i didn't ironically enjoy <laughs> these lines you know what i right. mean they, well, they Barry, fit well Barry with the tone Sandler wrote it and he's openly gay and he's won like awards from glad for representing and oh, okay. um and I, I think that's kind of amazing because it's just all heterosexual relationships in this but a gay man yeah. wrote the entire thing and i think that helped mm. a oh, lot wow. that's interesting yeah that actually kind of colors a little bit of perspective on that because that actually yeah. absolutely makes sense but i didn't like actually get that but, while watching yeah, it but now sure. that i'm like oh mm -hmm. that's cool and and a, a perfect it, it's it seems like ken russell was able to capture that uh in, in the filmmaking as well, because yeah. again, the, a lot of the, the colors and stylation or style, stylation, stylization, uh, is, is pretty heightened in a, in a similar way that the characters are. Yes. Um, absolutely. I mean, especially, I mean the, the sex sequences, uh, yeah. and such, cause we already talked about the Bobby and Joanna one, which is like the really, really big one, uh, in the middle of the film and a lot of the fantasy sequences. Um, but it, it gets a little kind of, it gets a little scarier because we know again that Anthony Perkins is super unhinged and yeah, you're right. And it's a little convoluted necessary on like his motivations for being unhinged. Yeah. I think that's part of it though. Right? Like it's kind of, he's a, he's a wild card. He's a complicated man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's kind of just hovering in the background, even during the, the great sex scene where like, you know, this is supposed to be a great intimate moment for the both of them. Um, he's peeping through the hole and there's this huge close up of like the lens through the door and like mm. him uh hiding out in his little like makeshift creepy shrine oh room. Oh my god. It's um, the creepiest yeah, room. Yeah, it's so disgusting. <laughs> and I guess he has like a little pulpit stand that he can just carry around under his arm and throw up on the sidewalk anytime he wants to preach at people and I guess Anthony Perkins designed it himself. It's covered with like really disturbing pictures. Like he fully bought into that. Like he got ordained and everything. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, he went full method yeah, on he, this one. I mean, like, yeah, wow. that by mail thing. But <laughs> he, he's a little method. Yeah. Like, oh, creepy. 
but I respect it. Absolutely. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. But I mean, I, I guess we should angle a little bit towards the big climax, the big sure. end of the film, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. This uh, is what like, I mean, the whole the, movie was great, but this, this just took sold it. it. Yeah. This yeah. sold it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is incredible. Uh, because there, there's a big showdown where, um, basically, uh, the Reverend find it, finds out where China blue lives. He finds out who Joanna is, uh, and he confronts her at her home. Um, this is around the time that Joanna is very confused because she's kind of had a thing uh, w- with Bobby where she's yeah. had like real intimate sex, a real intimate relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. And she's it's really thrown off her whole fantasy game and that this she's been was having. A, this was just after she had that moment with that older gentleman. Is that, Am I correct there? Oh, that's that's a great uh, scene. What, what was that? For some reason, I'm blanking. Because the wife uh, hires her to have sex with the the older man oh yeah and then she kind of ends up like they have a really nice conversation if i remember correctly and then i can't remember why she leaves but the, it was a, a genuinely well, nice moment it's an emotional yeah, scene. yeah. I remember now. he's so sweet and she, she's like okay master and he doesn't respond so she's like so she tries the dominatrix role and he doesn't respond and right. then he's like can you raise the dead and it kind of <laughs> She kind of oh, breaks I'm a crying. little and they sit <laughs> yeah. together. She takes off her wig and just holds them. This movie has I got, layers, I got, everybody. I got tingles <laughs> thinking about that shit, honestly. Like that it's a legitimately powerful scene. Uh, especially with all the sleaze um, that yeah, is like, surrounded like, by like the his film. his fantasy was like just having <laughs> having yeah. his old wife back, basically. Yeah, like <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, his wife was too heartbroken to yeah. be intimate with him. They still loved each other, but she she was seeing her husband die. So she's like, okay, I'll get a beautiful young woman and that'll make him happy. Right. He's and then like, so no, I want that, my wife. <laughs> and then, you know, the, so she's got a lot of complications now. You know, it seems like it's not as happy-go-lucky with her yeah. as much anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. she's a strong lady, so I'm sure she could have, you know, continued or whatever, but well, it's, and uh, it's the first time she tells her real name to a customer yeah, too. Right. That, yeah. Very um, true. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just the, the two worlds are, are collapsing her real one, right. her fantasy world. Yeah. Um, and the Reverend has decided that she needs to die. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to die for all this sin. All these Might as sin. well be Joanna. Yep. Um, and I don't even remember the exact events of this scene. I, the ending kind of just overshadowed all of it for me. Yeah. (laughs) Essentially he, he ties her up. Yeah. I know that. Um, and then he just kind of, he goes into a, like a very sporadic kind of dialogue where he goes back and forth between him wanting to kill her and then him telling her to kill him and then back forth again. And they're just, it, he's almost fighting with himself as well as her. It's a very odd yeah. character. Yeah, because like one of us has to die so yeah, the other can live. Exactly. And, but the way he gets her, it's almost like a great giallo scene where she's in one of those, I don't know what they're called, just like a service elevator where you can, it's like graded. And it's oh, filled with mannequins because she's a fashion designer. And she looks over and his freaky ass, I guess it's a razor dildo, is in the hands. Yeah. of one of the mannequins and you're just like, Oh God. And he just steps through and says, Oh, I'm going to save you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so scary. Yeah, it definitely, definitely is. And then I think that this is where they have that moment where you think that one of them is about to, to die. He tells her to get into costume and then Bobby shows up and he thinks that 
whoever's on the couch is her because it's in the blue dress and all that. So he goes up. Well, and, and, thinks, and, and we do too because right, we, yeah. we haven't and seen the audience. Yeah. Are, yeah. Like, oh, no. And then all of a sudden, it's revealed that the priest is now in China Blue's dress and, and China wig. Blue and Great the wig. wig. Great and the wig, wig too, right? And, yeah, he's rocking it too. You know, he's <laughs> killing it. Uh, and then and then China Blue comes out in his reverend outfit and kills him with the dildo. With, it's just like <laughs> I didn't know how to feel. It was just incredible, though. <laughs> we're gonna nod to Hitchcock and then we're gonna just stab a dildo because <laughs> I'm Ken Russell, baby. <laughs> She looks super cute in the suit, by the way. She didn't look bad in the dress. (laughs) Yeah, so so what happens there is it's his fantasy of killing her is lived out in the costume, in the performance, in the staging of events. Wow. But she's actually killing him and relieving him. So she's kind of double relieving him. She's taking all of his, his again, weird guilt suffering away and also giving him his fantasy at the same time. She's so good. She's the best. <laughs> <laughs> best best brought part in buried. the game. The yeah, what was it? What, what's the line? I don't trust anyone who works that hard. She works hard. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, like, do you ever sleep one day, Valentine's Day? killer lines so many good (laughs) ones so many good lines (laughs) (laughs) well we might enter the reductive rating round on this one i think for you stephanie this is the part of the show where we remove all the words all the nuance and kind of you can say whatever you want and we've also turned this into the closing (laughs) statements part of the show yeah yeah (laughs) so closing statements and a rating between one and five for our own bookkeeping purposes on the ongoing list that we are making here uh for me Are you going to up it now? <laughs> well, I, I almost want... I'm, I'm going with the four. I'm going okay. with the four on this watch. But, dude, I got to tell you, I even know. watching it, I was close to the five and talking about it again, yeah. I was close to the five again. So That happens sometimes. You just talk about it and then it's like, like oh, it even, maybe... I like yeah. it even more. Yeah. I mean, I would say if this had any fault for me, I would say that... The, the back end stuff with the white, with the, the at home wife, there's not sure. even a lot of it. I just, I do. And I feel like it's necessary, it go, it but go, it's it not goes as a intriguing. little unresolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah, apparently Ken Russell didn't even like directing those parts as much. He uh, just wanted to go back to China blue. It gets yeah. very beige in those scenes. Yeah. That's a, that's beige a perfect, yeah. Perfect yeah. wording there. So it's just, and, and I mean, it wasn't even a big fault because I, I didn't even dislike it. It was just a case of it, there was quite a bit of it and enough of it for me to be like, I don't know if I really got all the way there. And but yeah, but d- the ending again, almost <laughs> almost completely did it for me. Because, right. again, it's just such perfectly staged and constructed sequence that mm-hmm. matches exactly with what we've learned about these characters. Yeah. And again, this is also a movie about performing and staging so it just it makes sense so <laughs> i don't know i'm gonna go with the four but i honestly think uh, another watch or two on this and i could see this becoming just like an- uh, along with the devils like just another like yeah ken russell destroys a genre for just me instead of the you know <laughs> the old times now we're in the modern day with ken russell <laughs> exactly all right. Yeah, I'm also going to give it the four. Uh, right. I, I'm kind of in the same boat where it's like uh, after talking about it, I love it even more. Yeah. Uh, I feel like maybe on that second run, it might get it. Um, everyone is so strong in this movie. Um, once again, those wife scenes, yes, they are kind of the, the 
the, the downfall of it. It's the, not a the, downfall, but it's just a little, it hinges a bit. I mean, to be honest, they're not poorly written or anything. No, they make no. sense in the story. And it's necessary with Bobby's character. It definitely character. does feel, though, that Stephanie mentioned that, that Ken Russell's heart isn't in those scenes yeah. as much as he is in the scenes between Bobby and China Blue. Absolutely. And, uh, the Reverend and China Blue. Like, it's just, it's completely electric when those when Kathleen yeah. Turner and Anthony Perkins are on screen. Yes. Uh, especially together. So yeah, it's definitely. just like, and it, there's, there's an energy there that isn't present so much when Bobby is like getting annoyed that his wife is like being like, who are you sleeping with? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I, I know this is one of the most blasphemous things and uh, we're probably oh, yeah? going to cover it eventually. Oh yeah. But what? I haven't seen psycho. Oh my God. I know. I know you might. I know I'm terrible. I'm terrible. <laughs> Jamie came into the show the as, as the baby. Yeah. He hadn't watched a whole lot of older, movies, o- older yeah. films. So we were like, over the course of the show, we'll get there, though. That's really, I think, honestly, though, yeah, out of all the, like... Yeah, nice. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, but if I don't know everything about everything, I get torn <laughs> apart. If I had seen Psycho, I would be dead right now. Oh, uh, this is, it's kind of, honestly, I think that's the last one that's on the whole blasphemous list that I've been oh, yeah. keeping, where I'm like, why haven't I seen this movie? I think that's the last that's one the on last the list, one. so... We, we've done uh, some pretty big ones yeah. for you so this anyway. time. That's great that I've seen Crimes of Passion before Psycho. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, because now I, that's what I was going to get to. I was going to say, like, because I know that You've seen more plays, Psycho riffs than you have seen Psycho. Right, and I know that he plays, you know, a, a killer and kind of, he's got some unhinged moments, I'm sure, but I'm sure it's it can't be anything compared to what he's doing in this movie. Like this movie is just, he he's, he's going absolutely insane at a certain point. He's saying incredibly offensive things and then trying to say, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to save you. And then that, that, uh, the, the, ter- the twist at the end where mm-hmm. he's both satisfying his fantasy as well as, uh, getting murdered. Yeah. Like it's just, there's so or much, getting, I mean, I guess so much to his suicide. character. Um, and I also, yeah, <laughs> and I also really enjoyed the little tongue-in-cheek ending with Bobby, where he was just kind of like, after all this craziness, and he just kind of looks at the it's camera like, and goes, life's great. Oh, "We just fuck, fuck each other's <laughs> brains out or whatever." <laughs> and then the credits roll. I'm like, Ken Russell, you you motherfucker. But uh, yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four, and I'm looking forward to rewatching this one. Right. Just gonna note on the record that Jamie has seen all of these films before watching Psycho, uh, <laughs> Savage Streets, uh, Mo- uh, Shock by Mario Bava. Uh, what was the bum one? Blood on Satan's Claw, Street Trash, Street Trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the real prestigious stuff. Driller Killer, Hitchcock. Stage yeah. Fright Aquarius. All of these have been seen before Psycho got seen. I mean, but. Can you really understand Psycho if you haven't seen Street Trash yet? No, you know? that's why I'm doing it. That's exactly that was my point. Exactly. You're smart. You're smart. <laughs> Thank you. Hitchcock traveled back in time after watching that movie because he was like, "That inspired me to make movies." That's right. It's in an interview. <laughs> the scene where the hobo rips off the other hobo's dick and they start playing monkey yeah, in the middle with it. Yeah, the severed penis. I think that would be something to see. But oh. for you, Stephanie. <laughs> for me, I'm going to go four point five. Nice. Mm. I just love this movie. Uh, it's strange, but it has heart. The dialogue is whip smart. It's not afraid to be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it has a super 80s music video in it with like Ken Russell's family in it. Oh, I, rem- <laughs> I remembered that one. There's like there's a bit with like antique spoons and they're like throwing them in the pool oh, okay. and then they throw the birdcage in the, the materialistic pool. materialistic okay. wedding, yeah. Yeah. Now um, I remember. And they turn into skeletons at the end? Yeah, now I remember. Yeah, it's like, okay. Oh, it's yeah. like, have you guys seen the Double Jeopardy music video? No. From the no. 80s? No, I haven't. 
Or is it double jeopardy? It's like our love's in jeopardy. Is it similar to like what they do in that uh, in that commercial? Yeah. It, or well, in that watching, music, yeah, the music yeah, video. Yeah, I'll have to send you guys the link. It's amazing. It used to give me nightmares as a kid. It was great. <laughs> For sure. Good. But watching this, um, I had seen Ken Russell movies scattered throughout the years, but just recently I've really been getting into him. And uh, he he's actually been reminding me of the director Robert Wise a lot because they're, they're both all over the place. Like Robert Wise did great noir films. He did The Haunting. He did, he did West Side Story and The Sound of Music. And the fact that he did all those is crazy. And yeah, and you have Ken Russell with The Devils and Crimes of Passion. And he he did this like bright, sparkly musical called The Boyfriend with the 60s supermodel Twiggy. I'm a big fan of that one. He did Tommy. Um, he did Gothic. Like, you know, you can find threads through his work, but I, I just love how audacious he is. He, he's a true filmmaker. He doesn't seem afraid of anything, and he seems interested in everything. Yeah. That's and you really get a sense said. of that here. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for Crimes of Passion, but we're going to be right back, and we're going to be talking Olivia, Prozy, Prozy, <laughs> <Yeah>. Mad Knight. <laughs> yeah. uh, what was the other one? There was another one. There was another one in there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll look it up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I saw a notice about a waitress job, and I was wondering if it's still available. Yes, I could do with someone to give me a hand. How old are you? I'm 20. All right, we are talking Olivia, the 1983 uh, sort of slasher, begins as a slasher, maybe ends as a slasher. Yeah. In the middle it is a total Hitchcock riff. Yeah, definitely. A <laughs> uh, bit of a drama, bit of a thriller in there. Uh, but it stars uh, Susanna Love as Olivia, um, who is wait, what is what is this description? What are you what are you telling me here? <laughs> this description is talking about the American engineer, like he's the main character. He is not. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> Okay, here we go. So it says, Nightmares of the past haunt the beautiful, mysterious Olivia, a London resident who begins a passionate affair with an American businessman slash engineer. She's trapped in a loveless marriage and traumatized by memories of her mother's brutal murder. (laughs) Olivia hopes her lover will offer a chance at a new life. However, ghostly voices and brutal murders ignite a fiendish, twist-filled story of double identities, deception, and erotic terror. That's actually Damn. a pretty, yeah, that was p- pretty descriptive description. Honestly. Well done. Uh, and, and, I, and I would say that this reminded me very much of an even somehow cheaper De Palma. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, just because it's very much the whole double identity deception, erotic element, mm-hmm. um, which is his sleazier Hitchcock thing that he's got going on. Yeah. And that's kind of what the middle portion of this film is. And I mean, it includes some of the slasher elements as well. That's I where mean, I got that miss 45 vibe that I told you about just kind of like, early scenes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When she was taking these guys in to actually, you know, teach them a lesson or something like that. Again, I found this actually very similar to crimes of passion in the idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, of, yeah. of a kind of prostitute living out fantasies, except this version, it is her fantasy, which is to avenge her mother's death, uh, because we see her mother's death dramatized in the very first scene of the film mm-hmm. where she's peeping on her mom, 
who is a prostitute uh, in London, having all kinds of uh, foreigners and Americans come in uh, to her bedroom. Uh, and one American in particular, a uh, military officer, soldier, of some, yeah. a soldier of some sort, uh, his fantasy is that he wants to be tied up, but really tied up. Yeah, because unfortunately, it seems like he can't control himself. <laughs> it and, seems uh, like he, he has a pent up aggression and violence inherent in him and what's weird it's is only, that he almost he, and he knows it he knows it yeah. is the weird he knows he's in. going to go too far if if it uh because if it doesn't hold him back he's like look i don't want you to touch me because i'm gonna beat the shit out of you or kill you or something and right. i want you to tie me up and don't uh, listen to me if i say untie me because i know what i'm gonna want to do yeah and she follows all those rules until he sounds kind of serious when he says untie me. And she's like, fine, shit, like I'll untie you. Yeah. And he murders the shit out of her while uh, young Olivia well, his, is watching her daughter through watches, the yeah. keyhole. Um, in a, so in that a, sets it, up her life real well. <laughs> yep, that's the opening scene. There's the tone. <laughs> and uh, it, it is sort of similar to how Anthony Perkins was creeping in through the through the, the peephole as well on everyone. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just sort of shot similarly. I mean, I guess there's only so many ways you can shoot someone peeping. Uh, yeah. And I guess this one, though, would be more like, you know, this young girl's learning about a world that is unfortunately terrible and, and violent uh, rather than the priest who is... Just kind of getting off on on everything. Well, yeah. Well, that that contradiction of her mom being like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll read you a fairy tale to right. bed," and then the happily she, ever after, you know. And like, then yeah. she watches her mom brutally murdered yeah. by uh, big contradiction. There. A man who's <laughs> been paying her for sex, uh, and it it really fucking sucks. And then yeah. and then you're right. It gets a little bit more Miss Forty Five as we transition into Olivia as an older woman who is mm. trapped in this very. Um, loveless is almost too kind a word for that marriage. Yeah. Um, no, it, dude's a piece of shit. You can't wait for him to die. Yeah. Just like, no. can, can this be quick, please? Absolutely. Yeah. They don't waste any time. All of the scenes were him where he's just being like, cook, have sex, cook, st- wait here. Don't do anything in your free time until you're going to cook and have sex yeah, again. Like she gets hired on the spot, which doesn't happen. And, <laughs> and then she's like, I got a job. And he doesn't even want her to wait tables. Like, it's just like, I don't, I don't really know what he wants to have total control to the point where even things is. that benefit him, he doesn't want, he just, it, it has to be his decision. That's how much of a like piece of shit. This he guy doesn't is. want her to have any kind he, of, he doesn't even remember her birthday. Right. Yeah. That's almost that's almost the least troublesome though. <laughs> uh, for some reason, it's like you know what if you're if you're gonna make her just you're her entire world. At least remember her birthday. Yeah, come on. <laughs> that's a good point. But yeah, she's in, she's in a a very very controlling uh, relationship. And, and what's crazy too is like she even wants to go on dates and like is trying, and he still doesn't respond to that. You'd yeah. think that he'd at least be responding to her advances, and he doesn't even want to respond to that. It's like he wants so much control that even when she makes the decision to make the advances, he doesn't want that. He's just like, he's psycho. Yeah, no, I want to use you. This right. isn't going to be a mutually beneficial thing. Exactly. But she mentions later on that they married when they were like 16. I think she's she's playing a 20-year-old, so she's still mm. really young. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's just one of those getting pulled into a nightmare when you're a kid before you know what you're doing. And well, it's also, I guess, another like correlation to the previous film is the the teenage 
you know, the love that becomes oh, the yeah. marriage and then it's the unhappy marriage. Well, well she, they were kids. It, and, it seems like she's decided that because her mom read her fairy tales and she had very, uh, it, it sounds, simplistic views of love. And yeah, that's kind of yeah. what it sounds like she had it as a kid and that they were basically taken from her in that moment. So she's right. decided, okay, well, I mean, I guess what I'm supposed to do is just marry this dude who's got a job then. Right. Cause uh, that's, that's safe cause he's a welder. And, and I mean, told, I guess he yeah. keeps his job. So that's right. security. Yeah. You know, there's some security there, I guess, but, um, Not much. But at night, she hits the town. Yes. Or, uh, and well, she decides to. Um, we we see her looking out her window at the prostitutes, and she's just been ignored and yelled at, and something kind of clicks in her, and she's like, oh, well, they have a freedom. <laughs> they have some yeah. kind of autonomy out there. Right. <laughs> So I'll go, I'll go get me some of that. But at the same time, she's got her mom's voice in her head. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. tell, telling her, uh, filling her with all kinds of guilt about how she just sat there and watched while her mother was killed and didn't try to help her in any kind. Um, and she uses uh, her <laughs> clients, I guess. Yeah. She uses her clients uh, as ways to reenact her mother's death in ways where she can change the result. Yep. Um, which is, uh, it's a a very dark sense of therapy for her. (laughs) Yes. And actually it also reminded me of crimes of passion. Yeah, absolutely. Again, this movie's correlated so well. Did you think I was playing with the double feature? Because it wasn't. Don't play around. No, but definitely (laughs) these two most related in the prostitute as a prostitution, as a form of, uh, cathartic fantasy. Yeah. Um, almost freedom in a, in a way you don't normally Mm -hmm. associate that with, with that, but uh, the way that these movies portray it, it's because I guess these women have taken control of that, and they're you're, they're doing it in a more powerful it, it, sense. It, it it is a thing where it's a part of their life where all of a sudden they can, uh, you know, they're making the decisions. It's a form you know, of staging and performing in, right. in in ways, right? That they they mm-hmm. get to make the choices. Yeah. Um, and either way, she kills the shit out of a dude uh, <laughs> who just wanted mannequins to watch them. Right. That was that was <laughs> yeah. His thing. Little, little traces of maniac there, and yeah. he has. <laughs> One who, it's a mannequin with a grimace, and I don't know why you would make a mannequin with a grimace, but I thought she was a real person at first. (laughs) And I've seen this movie before, but it gets me every time. But anyway, (laughs) he's like, yeah, she, I mean, this is pre like the fancy sex dolls that are out now. So he's like, well, she gets jealous, but she always watches. (laughs) But the, it, the the sleazy sex dialogue of these movies just unbelievably good. Well, and uh, what kind of happens is that uh, on the side here, there is an a, an American businessman slash engineer visiting London. Uh, I'm not sure what he's trying to. He, he's trying to. Uh, it has something to do with the bridge, right? It has to do with the London Bridge, where he's kind of like I think he's renovating it or something, or he's yeah. he's just working on it or something like yeah. that. Strengthening it, fixing it. He, like he's that. hanging around, and the, the London Bridge is a very prominent image uh, in the film because the, the the river is just outside her apartment. Um, and the, the sort of like sounds of the water and almost like the, like, like the fog and the fog horns and stuff like that are kind of everywhere in this film. Um, 
and he's yeah. work, he's working on that bridge and they they sort of meet because he's an American foreigner and she's looking for American foreigners who want to uh, have sex with her so that she can reenact her, uh, her her guilt-ridden mother murder fantasy. Right. Now this is when this is before anything really happens. They just kind of make eye contact with each other, right? And have a little moment in yes. the park. And then I think uh, what another it's kind of another dominant thing that the the husband does as soon as she gets back he questions where she's been and and whatever and without any there's no playfulness to it uh he just spanks her and it's completely aggressive like there's no like you know couples do little playful things like that but the way that he does it and the way that they shoot it you can tell it was a pure dominant move and yeah, uh, no, so it continues bad. from there yeah exactly so it's and then uh and then i think they they meet up again and he says this like smooth line of I f- I fix things or something like or I I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I fix things that fall apart or something like that. And I'm like, you smooth motherfucker. Yeah, she's like, damn, that's what I'm looking for, man. She's yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> man's novel dialogue. <laughs> yeah, so they. But that's a, he's um, Robert Walker Jr., mm-hmm. who is a clone of his father, Robert Walker, who's in one of my favorite Hitchcock movies, Strangers on a Train. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is... <laughs> he did look familiar, so I actually might have recognized his father if he's a more prominent no, actor. No, look him up, man. They are yeah, so alike. So if pictures, you're going to yeah. be doing Hitchcock riffs, getting Robert Walker Jr. was brilliant. Nice. <laughs> Crisscross. <laughs> Yeah, no, but both of the both of them are are actually quite good. Um, oh, and her uh, prostitute outfit she puts on with her sunglasses reminded me of Karen Black in Family Plot, Hitchcock's last movie. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, they the riffs are here. Yeah, ev- everyone everyone was doing Hitchcock at the time. Yeah, everyone was very excited about it. Vertigo, that is Vertigo that seems to just constantly recur on this show. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the, the the blonde hair, the blonde wig. Yeah. You know? Platinum blonde, yeah, yeah. Sunglasses at night. Yep, it's got to happen. Mysterious. But they, I was they hoping s- one of you would start singing it, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's cool. That's okay. Now I feel bad because I didn't even make the connection. <laughs> yeah, and I can't sing, so that was that's my excuse. <laughs> Jamie can sing. He's in a band. That's his. That's his. That's his role on this show. Yeah. So yeah, I just bust out the tunes. If anyone's gonna break into song, what was that song that you did sing one time on the show? You you sang the intermission song for something. What, oh yeah. It was what was for? Uh, it was for uh, uh, the one with the the plant. The giant plant. Little Shop of Horrors? Little Shop of Horrors, yeah. yeah you, what song did you say? The, the, the Little Shop oh, of Horrors. Yeah. <laughs> the theme. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very, and then I melded it in. There we go. It sounded great, by the way. Hell yeah. <laughs> but they spark up this the, this love affair that ends in, I mean, I, I guess it's supposed to be tragedy that the husband uh, finds out that his wife is out on the town hanging out with a guy that she's actually kind of having a, a legitimate relationship with. Yeah, I think we just become terrified for her. Well, yeah, because yeah. right away you know that this guy is not going to react in a positive way or an understanding way or a way in which even dialogue even is going to happen. I'm upset, but you know I'm yeah. not going to murder anybody. Yeah, because I mean does, the the thing he does right away after they initially meet, or I think they even have sex. Her and the American guy. Yeah, they do. Um, she he gets she gets home and he immediately uh, rapes her essentially 
And it, once again, it like formed that whole thing where it's just, he has to have constant dominance. This guy is just an absolute control monster. It's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And then he, he gets privy to her, her activities and, right. and meets them on the bridge while they're meeting up. Yeah. Um, and they get into a good old scuffle. Mr. Robert Robert Walker Jr. and her uh, crazy abusive husband, and the husband goes over the bridge and dies, presumably. Yes, we to, think, to, think so. To be continued. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and uh, what I thought was actually really interesting about this is that I feel like a worse movie would have been like, oh, finally you freed me from my creepy ass husband. Like finally we're together now. Yeah. And but her immediate reaction <laughs> She's is, like, nope. Is like, what? you just murdered him. You're cool, dude, but that's not. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know, maybe we could have handled this without murder. Yeah. Uh, and and she books it off into the night and there's like this dreamy piano score going on. Which, by uh, the way, the score in this is awesome. really, really good. Yeah. I, I was uh, just surprised that I hadn't heard anything about it before because it was genuinely amazing. Mm-hmm. And she runs off into the night. Uh, I can't remember if she's screaming or not or if that was the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, I can't no, remember. She, no, it's just like wide-eyed, like mm. instant decision and just takes off. Right. And then we kind of pick up. With four the years later, I think. Four years later yeah. in Arizona, which tracks actually with the the actual historical element of this, that that bridge actually did get moved from London to Arizona. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I would love to hear the full story about that because I knew the London Bridge was in Arizona now, but huh? Yeah. And now? <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah, some, yeah. Somehow they dismantled that whole thing and took it all the way over to Arizona, <laughs> and that's where it is now. That's where it is. And apparently that was the inspiration when they de- decided to make the movie. Um, oh, okay. between the two of them is that they they were actually <laughs> shooting a movie in Arizona and they saw the bridge and were like it's really cool that the London Bridge is here <laughs> and then so they that's why they wanted to make and it such have a prominent thing in the film right. well, how can we work prostitutes into this <laughs> well and what's kind of interesting is that it's actually kind of like a grand romantic gesture honestly because what they, what they suggest he's the one fixing the he's the one yeah. working on the bridge so yeah, what they've suggested is that he couldn't leave without her so he left with the bridge with the bridge <laughs> <laughs> That's some notebook shit. Yeah. <laughs> Eat it, Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. yeah, you got nothing on yeah, this. N- none, of, none of your guys dismantled an entire bridge and <laughs> yeah. flew it over the ocean. Oh, we <laughs> built her a house. Whatever, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it, that's how it kind of works its way uh, both into the the plot and the character um, and just as like this sort of like looming image uh, mm-hmm. in the film. There's constant shots of it. and Yeah, and, and the river. And the, and the river. Yeah, and, which like, is some basically used and, throughout to hide bodies. Like that's yeah. kind of what the river <laughs> represents. It's like a grave graveyard basically. Yeah, everyone's just like, hey, you got a problem? Walk onto the bridge, dump it over. Toss it over. <laughs> Everyone's it's doing it. It's the main it. character and the most helpful character. I would say. Yeah, yeah it's definitely. A, it's a partner in crime. They should have called it. They should have called it something to do with the bridge. Honestly, <laughs> the river. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, how is there five titles and none of them are London Bridge? Yeah. Like, <laughs> or uh, just bridge to my heart. Go the whole way. London Bridge is falling down. Yeah. Just. I want exactly. it to be kind of. Awkward. Yeah, which makes an appearance <laughs> twice in the film. Right, the song actually appears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. But either way, Robert Walker is now back in Arizona, and 
he, he sees a girl very, very, very vertigo style. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's yeah. like, is that the girl? Is that the girl that I fell in love with? But is he's immediately that? intrigued. She's brunette that's for sure. though and wearing glasses. How no. can I be sure? <laughs> can she open something with her teeth? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I eat her out in the shower, we can really uncover this. Yeah. <laughs> and what uh, I like about well, it's a little odd. I mean, it it adds a little bit of I don't really know what it adds. It might just be confusion, to be honest. But because it seems like he he has an idea, or maybe he's reminded of her. Because when it's found out that when he finds out that it's actually her, he actually acts surprised, like he didn't know it was legitimately her. So, well, so to me, just- in my opinion, he was the same way that they do in Vertigo. He was sure. trying to recreate her before that. Oh, so I think he okay. was like, "This girl looks like her, so maybe it's I enough. can like make her okay. a little bit like her. Maybe I'll take her to the bridge." <laughs> right, right. And then Plus it's the re- chances okay. that she would be a real tour in Arizona and they would run into each other. The chances aren't that great. No, so. no. <laughs> I definitely think he had his mind on recreating her before actually running into her, and then he just lucked out. He, yeah, he got yeah. really goddamn lucky. He's like, oh, <laughs> great. But that instant spark hits up again, and they start yes. seeing each when other. When he grabs her and says, bitch, right before he kisses her. So much passion. <laughs> I lost my mind at that. That was great. And they're on and the bridge. somehow I still liked him. Like, it was like, like it, it's a totally likable moment somehow. I don't know why, but well, I'm like, like slapped how? her after that or something, it'd be terrible. But then he, it was <laughs> yeah. almost just like a quick expression of his frustration. Well, because he's like, why would you run with me and have me in this then... sad sack state for yeah. like five years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great, though. But she, she's got the, the glasses on and there's the giant orange sunset behind her on the bridge and it's all it's all romantic and they're getting back and this together. This is when that score was like yeah. absolutely beautiful. I thought I thought this was the best moment for the, uh, the musicianship for sure. Because mm. everything else is very dark and ominous and this was like the one moment where they had some uplifting uh, music in it and it really uh, just kind of... It made that scene what it was, I think. Well, at, at this point in the movie, we haven't seen like a like a like a slasher element in like thirty or forty minutes, right? And I was like, really damn, this, is, this is just a straight drama at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, honestly, I kind of liked it. Oh, me too. I was yeah. like, this this is great. And I, but then I was like, okay, we're gearing up to the end of a drama right now. They they found each other again. Things are cool. Things got to go down. <laughs> but then there's a shot of them in the bedroom through the peephole again and we're recreating the peephole dun, shot dun, of her dun. looking through at her mother being killed and but it's looking at her and robert walker now and i was like oh no what, what's going on here yeah. and what do you know the husband survived and he's been i guess planning things harboring a lot years. of resentment <laughs> yeah uh, there's a great line he's like don't you want to know how i found you <laughs> <laughs> It's the only time I found him relatable. <laughs> Aren't you impressed? Like, this is kind of cool, like, right? This is pretty crazy. You got to admit. Like, I'm, all three of us in Arizona. I know you're probably really scared right now, but all three of us? That's hilarious. <laughs> what, are, what are the chances? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to murder you. take in this moment for a second, y'all? <laughs> uh, and anyway, one of my uh, very favorite deaths uh, that we've 
done on this show. I feel like there's a new one every two or three weeks. Yeah, they but get creative. I, I will say this is the first time I've ever seen someone murdered by a toothbrush. toothbrush yeah. <laughs> Electric toothbrush. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say. Power behind it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, a little horsepower in there. Yeah, the husband comes up behind her, her, her lover, Mr. Robert Walker Jr., and he's brushing his teeth. Good for him. Yeah, it's a good habit. <laughs> you don't see a lot of. We're keeping the bar brushing. high here. Yeah. <laughs> oral hygiene. You don't see a lot of oral you, hygiene in these movies. So. Yeah, you don't see that husband. Yeah, good point. You don't see that husband brushing his teeth. That's yeah. for sure. Um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I just. So you find the electric toothbrush more impressive than the killer dildo. I just want to. No, 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 no. The the dildo here. Both of these. Both of these are very (laughs) impressive kills. Absolutely. (laughs) I would just I would I would say that the the crimes of passion. It really builds up that that dildo is going to kill someone. (laughs) Like like the The, second dildo is almost a character. in Crimes of passion. (laughs) When he's brushing his teeth, I was like, "Oh, he's gonna get like strangled, or like, he's, yeah, he's that, gonna get, right." Yeah, it was. It took me by surprise. That was <laughs> what it was. I think the neck. I, I legitimately, <laughs> yeah, when the too. toothbrush goes through the back of his neck, bloody. I legitimately <laughs> had to pause the movie. Too? Yeah, like, and it's still, still buzzing. buzzing and going? I legitimately had to pause and go back and play it again <laughs> to be sure that I did see what I saw. <laughs> I, that was a toothbrush. Because right? I, I just, I don't know if it's the the logic of the two cuts because, or maybe it doesn't just doesn't make sense in your brain but <laughs> yeah. he's brushing his teeth and then there's a toothbrush going through his throat <laughs> yeah. i was like okay <laughs> oh it was good fair enough but it's a great death and Absolutely. uh the only time that husband has been creative i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> the only time he puts passion in anything is when he kills somebody yeah and what happens after that <laughs> i'll be honest my brain kind of like was was pretty destroyed oh, by is, the toothbrush. He, she well, gets he, in bed thinking that it's him. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, what a horrifying right. moment when she comes yeah, into the room come, and you know it's him. Comes home yeah. like, oh, I sold some property today. <laughs> oh, you're in bed already, and it's him. Yep. And but you really feel for her. That has to be the worst feeling in the world. Because you know, as like, an audience okay. too. So. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna snap right back into the old routine, except in Arizona where. And he's mad I'm now. Just, like he's like he wants revenge, not just the, the old routine oh yeah. of dominance. But now it's like I want vengeance from what you've done to me. So. And you know I killed your lover, right? And you're gonna have to live with me and serve me dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't expect it when the way that they shot it because I thought she was just. I thought the husband just like put the the corpse in the bed or something. That, yeah, that's I what thought I kind of so thought too, actually. And then yeah. she's gonna be like, "Oh my god!" But instead, it's the husband. And, yeah, and oh. he just starts like right away, which sucks. He just basically starts to you know beat her, and then and then things go from there. And I think like he even starts once again telling her to do things like, like cook. It's getting late. You, it's time to undress like things like that. Now, now he's even worse than he was. This is the worst yeah. moment for this character. So yeah, it just gets unhinged from there. Yeah. Well, cause uh, he just basically is like, I'm going to resume exactly where we were yep. in this new place now. And she's like, I'm not going to have that. And nope. stabs the shit out of him in the bed, pull, pulls the knife out of the, <laughs> Off uh, off the side of the bed. Yep. Uh, and I loved this bit because it holds on this shot of his 
like body in the bed just completely limp and she's mm-hmm. like okay what am i gonna do with this it actually reminded me yeah, of that bit like she in Widow made the Blue. decision before knowing any type of like yeah. what she was gonna do after when it was just an impulsive i'm getting this guy out of my life so when they when they kill the corpse and then they have sex next to oh, the and, corpse, Blue. and then they put the cough they just are like hey we're done uh, i guess we'll put it in the coffin she, <laughs> yeah. she just grabs a, a trunk yeah. and just starts like flopping his body into the chest and his legs are like in the air and she's trying to like bend them down <laughs> yeah <laughs> It almost plays for comedy in a way because you, like, you hate this dude, especially by this point, right? Oh, yeah. So then when you're watching it's her, like, a, try it, to stuff It's just a, such a pathetic so, death. Yeah, it's that's just, too. It's just, uh, and it's so well-deserved yeah. that, it, that he's oh, just yeah. this lifeless thing being thrown into a trunk and, like, sort dumped of into a in, river. inconvenient and hilarious ways. Yeah. And then the irony <laughs> of being dumped into a river, you know. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, uh, well, this time you'll again. stay down there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I like that they show that shot, too, of her actually, like, pushing the, the chest and making it sink. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they hold onto it, making sure that you know that that guy's going down, you know. He's stabbed already, but that guy's also got a, you know, graveyard with fishies now, so. They did take their sweet, sweet, sweet time with that at the end of the movie, just showing, like, every step, really holding those shots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I also love the, just the little, the simple ending shot of just the bridge and the river. And it's just kind of like, this is where it all kind of happened or, or where it was surrounded, you know, like where, where it ended and where it began kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Cause you see multiple bodies throughout this movie, uh, wash up in that river. So. Well, yeah. And they, and then they, they come back to the fairy tales too, where you get this idea of almost like that kind right. of fairy tale. I forgot about that. Yeah. Where what, what is, it, is that always at the trolls or whatever? Yeah. They, and she even <laughs> says something like. It, Cause it's uh oh she's having like a flashback to her mom where she says you'll be you'll live happily ever after or something. That's so like every little girl gets her prince charming. Yes, that's right. what she says. Everyone gets their prince one day. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately for her, hers was murdered was by killed. her very much not prince. <laughs> yeah, we can't with, with promise you how long he'll be around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll pop up. Yeah, you you got him for a while. You know, <laughs> yeah. like like in total of your entire life, you had him for like two or three days. Yeah. Like that's good. Not that's bad. Over years. <laughs> <laughs> Happily ever after. Yeah. And we get this really hilarious rendition of London bridge is falling down, which yeah. is a good time. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> I really liked this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think we might enter the reductive. It's so much darker too. too. And, and, and final thoughts. This one was a four for me as well. This one was a pretty m- more of an easier four than crimes of passion. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, I would say mostly just because I mean not easier as in like it got there faster. I would say easier as in like it it didn't push to the five like Crimes oh, okay. of Passion almost did. Yeah, I got you. Um, uh, but th- but this again was was a really good kind of like slasher Hitchcock rift going on, um, and all of the performances were pretty good. And yeah. again, I think the most surprising thing about both of these movies is just that the drama is actually just kind of good. Yeah. It's, it's like compelling. the, the actual character work is, is, uh, compelling and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of these characters go through some horrifying things and get a tiny, yeah. a tiny bit of catharsis. I would say crimes yeah. of passion is a little bit more happily than <laughs> yeah. this one does. This one's pretty rough. Yeah, um, and, and a little bit harder to watch. This really uh, is like in the terms of darker, the actual darker violence. version for sure. Well, she just has a little bit less control yeah. than Kathleen Turner gets. Right. 
Um, she has a lot more things happen to her that are horrifying mm-hmm. um, and kind of has to learn to live with them and kind of reconcile that with the... And you uh, see that the way she's taken that trauma is also uh, worse than, you know, wh- what China's gone through. So, like, because, I mean, she's going out and she's murdering these people, uh, yeah. right? Like, as a, as a therapeutic thing, almost, whereas China was kind of wholeheartedly into the profession and, and uh, wanted to please her client. Yeah, she's definitely, yeah. she, she, she murders someone uh, only out of kindness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> In crimes of fashion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd say this, uh, I mean, we kind of, just all the reasons we kind of went, went, went over this one for, mm-hmm. but I thought it was pretty moody. I liked, I liked in London, all of the foghorn sounds. And again, the, the piano score was very good. Yeah. I just thought it was a solid, solid time. Four yeah. for me. Sweet. Uh, I'm also going to give it the four. Uh, I thought this was, really strong i uh i really liked uh the uh the dramatic side of it i didn't think it was gonna have so much of it to be honest but it ended up working for me um the yeah, score there, I, I guess there's like three deaths fantastic. in the movie really i, I mean yeah there's four, not I much guess. there's not too much yeah. like two or three I, I think and like it, it but the the scenes where they happen are very colorful we'll yeah. say <laughs> and uh so you, they, you definitely remember them and they they really they make a uh, a lasting impression on you. Um, and I, once again, I really like the, even the final shot, just the simple bridge and the river, you know, after she's resolved these, these issues that she has. And unfortunately she's probably going to live a more traumatic life from these experiences. It doesn't look like it's getting much better. Now, but. What, what we need is an anthology film about the bridge and all the things that that bridge has <laughs> that, seen that, thrown bridge. over its side. The bridge that kills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That yeah, bridge gonna, has seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to give it a four. Nice. For you, Stephanie? Um, I might have to go three and a half. Um, as much as I love it, and it was such a fun discovery for me when I first saw this, um, there are some pacing issues in it, and I, I I, feel like, you know, I don't need everything explained to me and tied up in a neat little bow at the ending, mm. but I, I feel like we need a little bit more. Just for um, her character? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. It, it, it is true that they don't tell you, like, is she going to go back to killing people? Yeah, like, yeah. You're like, I hope she's okay. <laughs> yeah, she like, has such a hell. key change in her life, and then yeah. we immediately just see her relationships with these two men. But, like, what, you know, like, she figured out how to change her life completely within four years. Like, did she become, like, Jason Bourne, and she just knows how to create a new life now? So, like, yeah. no, I was been interested in that, but... We need like a ten-minute episode follow-up. Yeah, for her. <laughs> um, but that—that's another theme. Like, there's the obvious prostitution theme between these two films, but mm. just how they show how the masks people wear and how both women are living a half-life by living a double life, mm. and even though they're finding s- some kind of empowerment, um, they're doing that in lieu of dealing with their problems. Right. And that bears out in the plot. So I love how it's it's not really like prostitution's evil. These women are disgusting. It's more like, okay, like you can find something to pull your way out, but you know, lipstick can't bury things <laughs> very deeply. You still need to work things out. Or they'll climb out of a river and come after you. <laughs> exactly. That, that that's really the thing. They should have went down and finished them, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make sure. <laughs> that's the lesson here. If you're gonna kill someone's husband and they're tossing him <laughs> over a bridge, it. like you jump in. <laughs> if you take anything, don't half-ass anything. 
<laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for Crimes of Passion and Olivia. Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on and bringing these films with yeah, you. Yeah, these were awesome. Uh, if you've got anything to plug, this is the place to do it. Oh, um, I guess just follow me on Twitter because I post everything there. And my little website no one goes to is linked there. And I have <laughs> archives of everything I do. And I'm a scrawfish on Twitter. Um, very professional name. <laughs> well, I, I also fo- like your, I follow uh, Stephanie on Twitter. And I think yeah. that she's a very entertaining follow. So I would recommend. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh shit what do we got coming up what do we uh everyone in one week's time uh for patrons we have a patron exclusive episode coming for you next saturday yeah and that would be oh shit what are we doing oh yeah heavy metal and legend legend ridley scott 1980 we're sticking around in the 80s doing 85 legend uh tim curry as the tenacious d devil uh yeah, Prince, the Lord of Darkness. So uh, good. Tom Cruise as a as a little tiny like Jack and the Beanstalk, Peter Pan ass <laughs> yeah. bitch going on there. Uh, uh, it's it's a good time. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, alongside Heavy Metal, the uh, animated film. Who even? I, I think it has like eight directors. Yeah, they, they had a, to like. It's a big project. They had to put that out to like eight different animation companies to get yeah. it done. Anyway. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about for everyone. We're kind of going into the realm of sort of sci-fi fantasy. We realized we hadn't really done fantasy yet on the show. So that was kind of the, the reasoning behind yeah, that that's one. That's true. We have very minimal if we have, yeah. we, we haven't done much swords and, uh, uh, what are, what are the, a lot of Satan though. And like a lot of Satan, a lot of Satan stuff. So he's back. Yeah. Uh, but in one week's time for everyone, uh, iTunes listeners, SoundCloud listeners, everybody, we're going to be, it's, it's here, it's time, it's unfortunate, but we're here to remind you, it's a Christmas episode. But it's going to be a good one. It's that time of year. <laughs> uh, we've made it. Sorry to inform you all. Uh, but we're going to be talking about Bob Clark's Black Christmas, yeah. 1974. And we are also going to be talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night. Which uh, personally I haven't seen. But I've wanted to see it. Since that's I was ten like years 10, later. So. That's eighty-four. That's after the slasher craze has kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's got Santa's arm with it with an axe in it. Yeah, so. I'm really interested on how they're what they're gonna do with it. I really don't know where these films go. I have a feeling it's just gonna be a slasher film where a guy dresses up like Santa, sort of like how oh, yeah. sort of like how um, pieces. Remember pieces? Yeah, yeah. For the, <laughs> oh yeah. I have a feeling it's gonna be like pieces, but the main guy isn't making mom things. He's making Santa things. Yeah. Gotcha. Stephanie, don't tell us if that's even remotely right. I'm prepared to be wrong. Guarantee I would never. <laughs> Guarantee don't you. Don't open till Christmas. <laughs> Guarantee you someone's getting strangled with lights, though. I mean, if that doesn't happen, then what are you doing? Two stars. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Two stars. Regardless. <laughs> Someone needs to get strangled All right, by the you, lights. You heard it here first. Uh, so that's what everyone can expect in uh, two weeks' time for all listeners. But I think that'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening, everybody. And keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy.